Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The Gospel of the Lord. seated. I began this morning's uh, sermon over at 927 by showing a clip from a Star Wars show. Um, I'm going to describe that clip to you later in the sermon, so I'm just going to dangle it out there for now. But I want you to know this morning that when I was ordained a pastor, I made myself a couple of solemn vows, but this one was very important, a solemn vow and it's that I would only use one Star Wars sermon illustration per year. So I'm going to cash in on it later in the sermon. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for the safety, security, and abundance that we find through your Son. Help us to live into the pattern and promise of your abundance, and grant us the comfort and security that only faith can bring. O God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. In 1938, Harvard University embarked on what I consider to be, at least, one of the most ambitious studies ever conducted. It's called the Harvard Study of Adult Development. They designed it to reveal clues about what a happy and healthy life looks like. And so they began to collect data regularly, as in once every two years, the same set of questions from 268 sophomores at Harvard. Among them was a future president, JFK. They asked them questions about their quality of life, their general happiness level, about, and about all sorts of things that were going on in their world, relationships, careers, health, hobbies, etc. In the 1970s, the study expanded to include 456 inner-city Boston residents, sort of opposite end of the socioeconomic spectrum. And it goes on still today, tracking these correlations now across generations. It includes the offspring of the original participants, as well as continuing to collect data from those who are still alive Now, as you might imagine, the maps of all of these lives were and are checkered. Uh, 
Some rose from rags to riches. Some took the exact opposite trajectory. And yet, the study has been able to reveal some important correlations and takeaways. Psychiatrist Robert Waldinger, professor at Harvard, is now the study's fourth director. And in 2015, he gave a TED Talk about the study, which you can look up on YouTube. I encourage you. It's not too terribly long. Now, in that talk, Waldinger reveals that one of the most important findings of this 85-year-long study is that the number one predictor for not only overall happiness and, and satisfaction, but also even for the trajectory of one's health, is more than anything else, rich, deep relationship. I'll say it again. It's not so much the quantity of our relationships. It's not the number of acquaintances or friends we have. It's not the size of our social network that matters. But it's instead having at least a few relationships that are truly intimate, that are founded and marked by mutual trust and care and concern. It's not just having a friend or a partner or a spouse, but having that relationship being really close and deep and meaningful. Participants who reported those sort of relationships also reported feeling content even in the midst of struggles in their lives. Greater happiness even in moments of physical pain. And they also tended to have longer lives and better health outcomes. And this should concern us precisely because there seems to be an epidemic of loneliness that is on the rise today in our nation. Another study I read this week uh, mentioned and projected that about a third of Americans are facing serious loneliness, absence of those really deep and rich relationships. The bottom line from this Harvard study is that relationships matter, full stop, period. And so let me ask you all a question this morning. Are you prioritizing relationship, especially the quality of relationship in your lives? With your friends, with your colleagues, with your family, with yourselves, with God. Now, I bring all this up because in verse 10 of our gospel reading this morning, Christ says this, I came that they may have life and may have it abundantly. Now, before I say anything else here, I need to make a very important and clarifying distinction. Abundance does not necessarily equal prosperity. Does not always or necessarily equate to wealth or fleeting momentary happiness. But what it does mean is that there is a deep sense of joy and contentment and satisfaction that can be found even in the most broken and painful situations in our lives. That even when struggling with pain, when facing loss, there is a deeper sense of more than enoughness that can be found in our relationship with Christ. Now that said, the influence of sin on the world 
would very much so like for us to believe that abundance does equal prosperity, that fleeting happiness does equal joy, that we can work or buy our way into the good life. We humans tend to like quick fixes and simple remedies. We're trained almost from birth by our culture to covet wealth, to desire power and influence, to lust after temporary pleasures. And sometimes, oftentimes even, we do that to the detriment of our relationships. So this morning I'll remind you of one of my favorite proverbs that rattles around in my head as I make decisions week in and week out. Proverbs 14, verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way to death. Sometimes you see the ways that we think can lead to happiness can actually choke out true abundance in our lives and in our relationships. Oftentimes, a quantity of things or even a wealth of experience can paradoxically lead to burnout and isolation and can end us up with a mindset of scarcity. We get caught up in the rat race, right? We never have enough. We never do enough. We're always addicted to the next best thing. With that mindset, our relationships can come to feel shallow and hollow, even in the midst of prosperity. I've seen many an overprogrammed teenager struggle to form relationships that matter, that really bring them true and deep joy. And I know, or at least I'm learning, the same is true for adults. Busyness robs us of our joy. And yet we see clearly in the Gospel of John that the quality of our lives, it matters to God. Christ came to call us to the abundant life. So let me trace out a roadmap of the theme of life across the Gospel of John. I'm going to bullet fire some verses at you. John chapter 1, verse 4. In him, Christ, was life. And the life was the light of all people. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. John 11.25, I am the resurrection, and those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. John 14.6, I am the way and the truth, and the life. John 17, verse 3, And this is eternal life, that you may know the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The thesis verse, if you will, of the entirety of the book of John. John chapter 20, verse 31. But these things are written so that you may believe, and that through believing you may have life in his name. 
scholars have labeled this emphasis on life in John as realized eschatology. The word eschatology is a big fancy Greek word that means the study of the last things, the end times. One of the core insights that sets the gospel of John apart is actually that the eschaton, the end times, begin in the here and now. They're already beginning to be realized in the life and in the teachings and in the work of Christ that the eternal and the abundant life that Christ promises isn't far off out there just in the afterlife. It begins right here, right now. So the quality of our lives and our relationships should look like abundance. In our passage today from John 10, we're reminded powerfully that Christ is the gate, the door, the the entryway, if you will, into that abundant life. So let me fill out that image for you. In first century Judea, the ancient world, doors or gates to a sheep pen wouldn't necessarily be as we might imagine them today. There would sort of be a low wall, one that a sheep couldn't hop over, but there wouldn't be a gate, just a low opening in the wall. And the shepherd would have slept in that open gap overnight, literally serving as the door, the means of entry, the method of protection. The shepherd's body and life would have been on the line for the sheep. And so the sheep in this passage are some of the cleverest and wisest animals to exist. And I say that because I've heard a lot of sermons on this passage to say that sheep are just dumb animals. They're some of the cleverest, wisest animals to exist because they recognize the call of the shepherd. And they turn away from all of those other competing calls in their lives. Door, gate, and call. Christ is both in this passage, the entrance to abundant life and the beckon, the constant faithful call to it. So one of the critical insights for us from this reading today is that to be able to hear Christ's call We've got to be like those sheep. We have to get intimate with Jesus. We have to invest in and depend upon our relationship with God. And as we know from nearly all of the relationships in our lives, this takes work. It doesn't just happen. It is not always easy. It truly is an investment of our time and our energies and, yes, our very lives. So even though this can seem daunting, the good news is that Christ always first comes to us, that Jesus never stops calling to you, that Christ the gate is always open and that Jesus, the good shepherd, is always waiting patiently, faithfully. And so a question for you this morning, one that 
we should always be asking ourselves as we reflect. Do you hear the call of the shepherd? Are you recognizing Christ's call in your life? It's there. It always is. And if you take the time to invest in the relationship, then you, like those sheep, can begin to hear it more and more clearly. Because the truth is, we all, all of us, are following some call. We are letting something lead and drive us around in our lives. Maybe, maybe that call comes from our own misaligned desires. Maybe it's the broken and thieving call of the world that comes to steal and kill and rob. Maybe it's a call that you might think will bring you happiness, but instead is really robbing you of your life and your abundance in Christ. If you want to know, check the quality of your relationships, at least those within your power to control. And now, my Star Wars reference. Seeing as this next week contains a series of dates that in recent years have taken on some significance in pop culture, those dates being May 4th or May the 4th, and May 5th, or Revenge of the 5th, it's time to cash in on my once-a-year Star Wars reference. In the recent Disney Plus show made about Obi-Wan Kenobi, the Jedi Master is tasked with with rescuing a young Princess Leia. That's the hook. No more spoilers other than that general premise. And so in the clip we watched this morning in 927, a young, precocious Leia asks Obi-Wan Kenobi why he can't just use the Force as a quick fix to all their problems. If you're unfamiliar, the Force is a mystical energy field that connects all living things, and if you're sensitive to it, it can grant you the ability to perform these miracle-like feats. Obi-Wan replies to Princess Leia, the force doesn't work like that. She then begins to wonder aloud what using the force, what being in alignment with it feels like. He takes a moment to think, and he responds that it's like turning on a light when you're in the dark that it makes you feel safe and secure at peace and at ease. That when you use the force, at least properly, you come into attunement and alignment with the greater universe. Now I make this analogy and reference because this too, I think, is what following the call of Christ feels like. It feels safe and secure. It feels like peace and harmony, even and especially in those moments of trial that we're going to face inevitably. You see, when we find the courage to follow the call of the Good Shepherd, we can begin to lay down those foolish dreams that we harbor, dreams to dominate and possess, those feverish desires that drive us around to seek pleasure our possessive drives for wealth and for status. 
when we follow that call, we might find instead a promise. A promise that is steadfast and faithful, no matter what we might face. The promise that we are designed and destined for meaningful relationship with God. And that when we connect in meaningful ways with God, that leads to meaningful relationship and connections with one another. It's why we have church. It's why the early church in that first reading had all things in common. And so if you want to know what the number one predictor for Christ-like abundance in your life is, it's this. Meaningful connection, investment, relationship with Jesus. Are you hearing the call? Amen.